Welcome to West Virginia Uncommonplace. Today, this is one of my adult theme episodes. I need children to go to bed. I need adults to get your good listening ears on. We're going to have a little fun uh, today. My guest is Elizabeth Emerson. She hails from a great place uh, in the South. And um, she has a story to tell. So please, Elizabeth, tell us about yourself and tell us why you're here today. Hello, my name is Elizabeth Emerson, and I decided to have a personal quarantine project to write a story. Um, I've always loved the wild, wild west, and I did a Google search and found out that this woman wrote a smut story, an erotic story about uh, lesbians, and she made millions of dollars in a very short time. And I thought, that's it, sex sells. I'm going to write a dirty story, and uh, I'm going to see what happens. So this is my quarantine project. I wrote my very first ebook. All right, so in liking this, this subject, what made you want to write about this time period? Uh, I've always loved Doc Holliday and the Wild Wild West. Um, I always knew that he did have a common-law wife that everyone called Big Nose Kate. And when I did some research on her, I found out that her story's never been told. She was, uh, she always wanted to sell her story, but she was never offered enough money in her own mind, you know, to, to sell it. So I just thought, man, what a great story. Okay. So basically you didn't have to come up with too much ideal for this character because it was an already a person that existed. So, yes. So how do you do your research on something like this? Like, how do you decide what parts well, of the story? I, uh, I started with writing facts. I get little uh, handwritten notebooks out and I start handwriting facts. Like when she's born, when she dies, her true love, Doc Holliday, when's he born, when he dies. Uh, and I go through and get all my dates and cities and where they're at. And then I went back and collaborated uh, different stories. Like she actually burns a building down in town to free Doc Holliday from jail. She burns a building to start a distraction. And then she goes to the jail with two guns and breaks him out of the jail because the town's going to hang him. So uh, she's full of spit and fire. She was a prostitute, but they didn't call it a prostitute back then. They called it a sporting woman. And uh, she lived in the time where you could either uh, work uh, doing laundry, washing clothes and things for $25 a month, or you could work in a saloon having sexual relations with men for $50 a night. So, So she picked the oldest profession. And she took the Wild West by the by the horns. She was full of spit and vinegar. Okay, so when you develop these, in my audience, I'm explaining to you that this book is erotica. There's other names that you can use, but it is erotica. Yes. When you develop yes. an erotica book, um, like, where do you get the, I mean, you know, even though this is it's not a PG show, but where do you get the inspiration to write that erotica? And, and, and I'll make it a little bit tighter. So it'll be a tight question for you. Um, 
obviously the interaction between a man and a woman, that's something that's easily, you can make that vivid and very descriptive. But how do you like take the, the place in time? Like, do you focus on like the props or just what the Wild West would look like? What that room would look like? Is that what you focus on? Or do you just focus on the interaction? Well, you have to, if you're going to write erotic, especially for Amazon, which is why I publish mine, uh, if you're going to write erotica, you have to follow certain rules. There can't be any rape. There can't be any incest. There, you know, there's all these things that you cannot have. So um, I, I didn't want to make it to where uh, I wanted her first experience to be, had to be consensual in order to be in the story. So uh, I just I, I just took it one baby step at a time, and it, it shows how she kind of eased herself into prostitution in the story. Okay, makes sense. Now, the further you get into this book, because this is a COVID-19 project, because you have some free time to, to do this, right? Um, yes, sir. When you're writing this story, did you ever hit a, a writer's block? Did it get to a point where, because you know, that's a lot of emotion, that, you know, I wonder if that, I don't, you know, I want to know like the psychology on this. That's what's really important about this interview. Do does that like the what you put into that? Does that take away from your outside life? No, it didn't take away from my outside life. I uh, I really enjoyed writing it. It didn't take me very long to write it. It took me about a month and a half of writing notes. I watched some Western series on TV because okay. I could imagine in my mind like the bar scenes, the saloon Blue. scenes. And uh, could bring incorporate some of that into that, some of the uh, the sl- slang that they would use. Um, a lot of people talk to me about the movie Tombstone, which I don't know if you've ever. Yes, seen I have Tombstone. seen that. Okay, uh, and I did not base any of the story off of uh, things that I saw in Tombstone, but when I think about Doc Holliday in my mind, it's absolutely Val Kimmler. Okay, I can see that. And for the audience, (laughs) Val Kilmer, to the younger audience, he would have been a Batman at one point. And what would really get you is he's the rival in Top Gun. Right. That's just that's just for the younger audience. So they'll know who he is. Val Kilmer was was the uh, Doc Holliday. Um, So I'm glad to hear that the movie didn't play a, a role in this because the movie's awesome. It's great. It's something it's cinema. But that's just right. what it is. It's cinema, you know. Right. Um, so you you write this book. How do you pass this book along to someone to to review it or to critique it for you? How do you do that? Like it's- anonymously, because my family does not know that I wrote this story. Okay. And my grandmother figure is an avid reader and lives a block away from me and at no point in my life do I ever want her to read this story however uh my cousin uh, absolutely loves it but she knows not to let my you know my grandmother see it so marketing it is a trick because I can't just you know put it right on a Facebook page hey look what I did because uh, I don't want to embarrass my family. Okay, and we won't we won't consider it an embarrassment. We'll just say erotica. You have to be open to that nature, and right. And we'll say in this interview, and I will say this once again uh, to anyone: I am always open to hear about anything anybody has to say, and it's always awesome that someone would take the time to write this. You know, um, 
everything is a piece of art, you know? Right. All right. So inside this book, can you give the audience a little bit of about um, this character? Let them know, like, just a, a bit of what she endured dealing with Doc Holliday? Because he had to be, he was a little trifling. If if you're gonna base off the Tombstone movies movie, he was a little trifling. Yes, he he was. He was a killer. Um, the book goes into detail about the shootout at the OK Corral. Okay. Uh, uh, Kate Kate was the only witness. She could see the shootout from her dressing room window, so she ended up going to court and testifying. Uh, on behalf of Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp. Okay. Now, uh, Wyatt Earp and Big Nose Kate did not really get along. Wyatt Earp was Doc Holliday's very dear friend, and it very well may have been Kate that introduced the two of them to each other, but uh, Kate didn't care for Wyatt, and Wyatt didn't care for Kate. All right, so that made for a crazy dynamic there, I guess, right? Yes. A yes. lot of tension. Couldn't cut that stake. Yes. Okay. Right. Now, after you you uh, tell that little development there about Kate, um, were there any points when you were writing this that you could relate to Kate? And when I'm asking, I'm like, I'm talking about the character. We're not not talking about the physical portion, but I'm like, did, is there portions of the character that you could relate to? Absolutely. I used to work in a bar about 30 years ago, and. Uh, in the bar scene where everybody's drinking and everybody's throwing money around, you're either loud in the center of attention and, uh, and, you know, making great tips or you're quiet and, you know, nobody's really paying any attention. So I think she was real loud and boisterous and I feel that I'm loud and boisterous. So, uh, yeah, I think we have a lot of similar qualities. Only I was not a prostitute. I just worked in a regular bar. Right, but you you could there was a correlation of those yes. the loudness. Okay. Now, inside rightness, did you put any of yourself in this? Um, I not really. I just I tried to channel her as best as I could. Okay. I just tried to look at it from her perspective and keep it within the the rules of Amazon for having an erotic story because if you break the rule then they put you on the bottom of a stack somewhere so and back in the on the Wild West frontier days it you couldn't rape a prostitute because she was already a soiled dove okay and a man a man would get in more trouble for beating a dog than he would a prostitute so women didn't have a lot of rights. And the okay. fact that she was a 16-year-old girl that worked in a saloon in the wild, wild west and then went on to become uh, the, the wife of Doc Holliday, which he was a dental surgeon. And she owned her own saloons. She owned her own parlor houses. I mean, she really, uh, but then she probably ended up losing it all in the end because she was a heavy drinker. She ended up in a, in a nursing home alone. Uh, in the end, so she wasn't but, so wealthy when she died. But in a twist, you know, because we always try to find good in, in different things, she was kind of like an entrepreneur to a degree, you know, owning things. Oh, absolutely. No matter the context of how she got it, owning right. things and, you know, not saying, I'm not going to even say that it empowered anything, I'm just going to say owning <laughs> things and in that time, it was probably not very perceived very well or handled that well, 
for a woman right. to have these type of things. Right. And um and she ended up in a in a state government host, uh, nursing home at the end and uh, towards the end of her life she was fighting for the rights of people who were bound to those kind of state hospitals. So she was a feisty go-getter all the way to the end. All right, so she was an advocate for people that were, you know, stuck in these state-ran facilities. Right. Yes. So, so it seems like there was a good, uh, a good portion, uh, or at the end of her life, a good portion where she just did right and right probably came out later on after she died. Um, the middle of her life, that profession probably preceded her more than anything, but that's good to hear. So let me ask you this, um, Elizabeth, the next thing that you write, because you just don't write one book. Um, what's going to be your next yeah. interest? Uh, I'm going to be a one-hit wonder with this uh, smut story. I just—it's like an experiment. I want to see how well it does. I really, uh, my, I'm working on a true crime right now, so it'll have to be under a different name and absolutely not related to this smut in any way, shape, or form. Because I don't want the true crime to be. Uh, Disdignified by the story. So okay, so but you do have something else going on. That's that's the key thing there. You know, uh, yes, uh, always right because it, it's something like. Uh, and I always ask authors this because you have to understand when people listen to this, they listen for the content of what your book is. But you're an author now, you know. Yes. Um. So so I ask this: when you were writing this story, was any part of the story self care for yourself? Uh, I enjoyed writing it. I really, I enjoyed researching it. I enjoyed writing it after I wrote it. Uh, I read it over four or five times without any break. Uh, I laughed at it because some of it's pretty entertaining. Okay. Uh, and, uh, all falling within the, all the rules of the, of Amazon, you know? Yeah. And for erotic, they say they want, uh, 10,000 words, which makes it a short story. Okay. Because uh, the people that seek erotic want to read that for like an hour and a half and then, uh, you know, be done. So, right. uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it's historically correct, which makes it entertaining. And uh, it's historically correct, which makes it entertaining. Uh, so it's not like you're even wasting your brain on a bunch of fake stuff. I mean, everything that happens in that story absolutely could have happened. Okay. So here, I'm going to put you in the box. It's our 2020 okay. moment. I'm going to be Diane Sawyer, Barbara Walters, no John Stossel, because there's nothing going to be funny about what I'm going to ask next. Because you know, John okay. Stossel is the funny guy. Um, okay. So to the next person that wants to write erotica. What do you tell them? What do, how do you tell them to get started? Like, when do you find time to do this so nobody knows? Right. Uh, everybody has a different writing style. Uh, another writer friend of mine, he makes lists of characters and he, he gives each character uh, he knows their favorite color, their whole background, and, and I don't write that way. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to advise another writer. Uh, okay. The way I do it is it's in a little notebook, and then I go from one small notebook to a bigger notebook, 
and then when I get to my computer so that I don't repeat myself, when I take it out of my handwritten notes and type it in the computer, I go through it with a yellow Sharpie and then uh, then I read my story and sometimes I switch my paragraphs around until I fit it all together like a puzzle. So uh, I don't know how to advise other writers because I'm I only know how I write and I know that I don't think anybody writes like I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I think I'm a loner. Because <laughs> I write way backwards. Okay. And sometimes I write the end first and then flip Work around. Back to yeah? Sometimes, yes, sir. All right. So and here's the next hard hidden question. Cause this okay. is this we both have agreed that this is done under pen name. That's fine. Yes. yes. What happens if you're ever exposed? Uh uh. I don't know. It's just that I have grandchildren. <laughs> oh, well, and, remember, don't get too much personal detail, but. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. But you have a contingency uh, plan though, right? Are you working on one yeah. as we speak? Uh, yeah. Okay. No, I don't. I, I would, I would apologize in advance and go, Hey, it's adult content. So maybe you shouldn't have read that if you're not an adult. I, I would hold it well. I, I, I'd hold okay. it well, but I, I would like to keep it under the rug if I can. Okay. And All I right, don't so want to. I don't want to do any paperbacks because I don't want to kill any more trees. This is my very first ebook published, and I've had a lot of people say to me, "Oh, I would buy that in a paperback if if you could just, you know, do that." And I'm just to the point where we're supposed to be going earth friendly. So this is the most earth friendliest thing I can do. <laughs> I like that That's one. That's all I can do. Yeah. I just want to okay. go earth friendly and see how wide it goes. All right. So now it's on to the Barbara Walters question because those were just okay, of Diane Sawyer does those softer questions. Okay. okay. I'm a person on Amazon right now. I'm scrolling down looking at Wild West erotica. Yes. I see your book. I see another book. Okay. Uh huh. What is the selling point that's going to make your book better than the other book that I'm looking at? Just from the cover or from the little information box that they give you? Information box, anything. You're supposed to tell me right now what's going to make your book the selling point. Uh, I think the cover is eye-catching once you figure out what it is. Like at first okay. you can't really tell. And then you look and you're like, oh, I know what that is. And uh, I think the little box, because the, it, when it describes my book, the last sentence in that description is, Big Nose Kate goes down in history literally. So so right there, uh, yeah, that, that's enticing. Yeah. That's erotic. Yeah, it's, it's a the name of the story, I don't know if we've said this yet, is Doc Holliday Curled My Toes. We did not say that. So I wanted it apparent from the beginning, if you look at that title, that you know you're getting into some smut. I didn't want anybody to be fooled. Okay. Now, um, okay. here's the big thing. Um, on the show, I don't know if you listen or not, um, we plug your book. We, we, we have to do a little commercial for it. And what I'm saying is, okay. is your book, give the title one more time. Cause see, I have people that skip through the podcast in different portions. So we'll plug it two more, two or three more times. Um, the name of your book and it's on Amazon just right now, right? 
Yes. Doc Holiday curled my toes. Okay. By and Elizabeth, it's on Amazon. By Elizabeth Amazon. Yes. Okay. Now, um, since all this is relatively new in the sense of you getting everything going, um, I guess at some point you'll have a uh, you'll have to have some type of communication. So, are you planning on setting up a yeah. an email or something, or even a not necessarily a Facebook page, but something? I do. I do have an email address that people, if they want to, you know, comment or ask, me, can. Yes. Are it's, Are you allowed? Are you uh, allowed Emerson, to take the? Yeah, I, I I think that's fine. Don't you think an email yeah. an email address is safe, right? Yes. Okay. It's Emerson History Nut at yahoo.com. Okay. And plug it one more time for him. Emerson History Nut at yahoo.com. Okay. All right. So that works out there. So that's how you can reach her. That's one of the key things that we like to do because yes. um, it's all about the advertisement. I always tell everybody uh, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of um, brass to come on to a podcast because the way that we have to do podcasts now, we're not meeting in person. We're not at the 76 gas station in Akron, Ohio, or wherever I venture in Ohio, because that's that's my stopping ground, even though I live in West Virginia. Um, you, you know, we do these interviews, uh, phone calls, whatever. So was there, was there at any point, like any type of, uh, I don't know, anxiety of actually putting it out there? putting your book out there or did you decide that a podcast would be the proper way to do this so you can stay anonymized that's exactly right a podcast is the perfect place for me to do this so that i can promote it without having my face on it without my neighbors trying to look over in my yard like that's that girl that wrote that dirty story okay i got you there yeah i just want to be anonymous and uh, i want to see how far it can go i think it's really well written i i pat myself on the back way too much okay now how do you deal with criticism that's something i always ask authors how do you deal with criticism have you had any come your way yet no so you don't so you haven't even gotten to that plateau well as a person how do you deal with criticism i think i do all right with it i'm pretty thick skinned and i got pretty broad shoulders so okay uh I, it might make me think, oh, I wish I would have thought of that, you know, but I I can't change what is. I, I wanted to do a project. I did it. I knew it, sex sells. I wanted to make a little bit of change. So I thought I'm just going to do it. Right. So, mind. so if you don't mind disclosing, because um, I always I always wondered this. Um, I know in, in my position when I wrote a book, it didn't cost me anything to write my book because I published it like you did. Straight up, I, well, I did Amazon KDP, got my book out there. Somebody proofread it. They showed me a few little things that I did wrong. I fixed them. I sent it back. They were like, it's nice. Then I published it, you know. So so when you did your book, um, was there any upfront cost or anything that anything at all? No, no upfront cost. And see, I want that right there. That That's what makes it so amazing to be alive in this generation right now and in these time periods because 30 years ago if you wanted to write that book you would have had to show your face somewhere right absolutely you would have had to go see larry flint and try to get it in hustler (laughs) 
Right. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> right. I mean, in all honesty, yeah. you, you have to or either get him to sponsor or something because he'd probably right. be the only person I could think of um, that would probably do that. Right. And, uh, funny story is I'm from a little small town called Lynchburg, Virginia. And um, okay. a pastor of the church where, I'm, where um, I grew up, his name was Jerry Falwell. Him and uh, Larry Flint, you know, they butted heads. And um, oh, okay. any, anyway, that's just an outside topic. But I mean, I, I like what technology is doing there. Like, like, you know, how this interaction came about between us, you know, um, yes. I'll be a hundred percent honest. I, I want to say a hundred percent that you seen one of my ads somewhere, correct? You were on a podcast. Cast, guest site. Facebook post. Yes. Guest okay. Site, right. And, and probably, I private messaged you and said, right. hey, this is what I did. But right. I didn't. And then on the main page, I just put PMU. Right. And see, like that right there, I like that kind of interaction. And, and I'm putting this out there for future guests and other things. Because, you you know, it's so many people that reach out. And it's so many people that that are afraid to reach out. But you obviously had to do some research somewhere. You probably had to click on the podcast. Even if you didn't listen, you probably just looked to see what it was about or something, or you liked the image. I don't know. What's your story on that part? What made you click on my podcast to be on there? Well, I just, I clicked on, I seen you were making your website and uh, I thought, well, this guy's got some, cause I don't, I can't do hardly anything technical. I struggled to get this published. Uh, it's like a big accomplishment for me me uh, i'm technically challenged uh okay. but uh it, it works out I, I found you i, I looked through your thing and i thought well i'm going to send him a message see what he says right and then and whenever you have it done and this is a complete cop podcast then i'll find sneaky ways to share it too without it being associated to, to me okay so, okay so yeah. that'll work out pretty good and, and i think that this was a good exchange because like i said i I only actually have in my podcast range, me and my cousin did an episode and it was something adult themed. And I, and those are things that I like, I like to, to mix it up. Cause this is a, what you call a flat podcast. I do a generalization of everything. So one week it could be about this or that. And then you, you came with something that's a specialty. Yes. And, I, and I'm letting you know that I really appreciate that because um, it's hard for us to get these topics out without us, um, cause you know, it's taboo. This right here is taboo. You know, people don't want to talk about this, but it goes on, you know? So the thing that I really like about this the most is like, we were able to keep this conversation the whole time. This conversation didn't even go out of being PG 13 or anything. That's you correct. Know? And it, and it still sells to the point of that. It's erotic. It's smut. Yes. Smut, smut, smut. Yes, um, yes, yes. Right. Historically so, correct. Smut. And that's a whole new genre right there. You may understand this when you do a podcast and things, you may right now have set up someone else to actually want to go do this now. They may go do one with uh, John Quincy Adams or something, just anything, or George Washington. We're not going to say Thomas Jefferson because that would be a wild one. But, you know, so that has to make you proud that you're, you know, that you got out here and did this. And And it took a lot of gumption to actually, like, you know, Put yourself out there because you could have got rejected and you put it out there in a good form. And I'm the type of person like you, you left it in a nice form. So when I read it, I was like, she's professional about this. She made her pitch to me why I should have her on the show. 
and I read it, and you got a response back in like a minute or two, or maybe the next morning, something like that. But I was impressed with what you did. So pat yourself on the back on that one because um, it's hard with so many people having content to pick and choose what you want. But you presented it, your pitch was so good, and you may want to go into advertising as an extra job down the road. Your pitch was so good that I was like, man, I need to have this on here. You know, and and whoever the other person was I was reading, I just swiped over them and just got rid of them. I stopped that conversation, you know, and nothing to take away from any other guests in the future. But uh, we want to have that's awesome. Yeah, we want to have great topics. Um, So here's the thing on on my show. I have something that I have to ask you. Okay. Um, I ask every person um, a, a hidden talent or a secret. Um, there was a rapper in New York City. He, he he does good numbers on Spotify and all this other stuff, rapping about whatever's going on in the world. This kid can take in a Rubik's Cube and he can completely fix it in 30 to 40 seconds. And I always do the same little stick about, I don't know what he's doing with that brain power, but I wish I had that kind of brain power to solve something. So what is a secret about you or a hidden talent that no one knows? That no one knows? Yeah, that nobody knows. Like, do you sing in the shower? Do you eat beets? Do you, like, I hate beets. Do you um like to eat black olives with peanut butter or something crazy? Well, that's not crazy, but that's just not my taste. <laughs> I take I take paintings that I find at garage sales and junk stores that only cost $5 that are really old and and faded and 1970 themed and I bring them home and I paint them with glitter and I refurbish the frames and please tell me you resell them no I hang them around my house you don't resell them no I make beautiful beautiful art with glitter glue that's my talent so so let's do this so we'll spin that around so it's kind of like a con artist deal you get the original painting and you just exercise you do a remix on it right well a lot of them are like cardboard and um oh my thumbs on the thing sorry a lot of them are cardboard Uh and uh i just paint them and put glitter glue all over them and make them beautiful okay i can show you one do you edit this? Oh uh, yes, you I'll, leave? yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely will take out the um, ending right there. Oh wow, that Thank is beautiful. You. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it was just real old and faded, and so that's what I do. That's my secret talent. Okay, that's an amazing talent right there. Um, if you want me to edit that out, that's fine. But I can tell the audience. Um, basically, uh, everybody knows we use Zoom. Basically, what happened here is she took a painting and she added element to it. It's almost like a Disney type deal. It's like that she took the old Disney from the 1950s or 60s, put the Technicolor to it, and then threw some Jesus Superstar on there, you know, something bright and sparkly, and got that painting uh, some life to it. Does that sound about right? right? That's right. That's what I do. I'm always looking for, but I just got this house in Georgia and I'm working on it. So I need artwork for the walls. Okay. And it's a very inexpensive way. I got that original painting for $2 at a junk store. 
because it was real faded. Huh? And then I bought all that glitter glue and I just started glitter glue painting it and I absolutely love it. Okay, and that's amazing. And, and like I said, like on the show, you know, like what you told us now, um, in the future, someone may go do that now. Like someone may take your idea and go make a million dollars. And be happy about it, you know. I just love it. And and it's recycling, it's refurbishing, it's giving new life to something old and and treasuring it for the rest of my life. So maybe if I get the whole house done, I would consider selling a couple. But Or if I became super famous and everybody wanted some of my glitter art. <laughs> okay. All right, Elizabeth Emerson, I would like to thank you for being on West Virginia and Commonplace. Um, thank this is, you. This is a special episode because I don't actually have to let you do a shout out because you can't shout out anybody because you're a pen name. So... um. The shout out I think we could give is to Doc Holiday, Big Nose Kate. Yes, Doc Holiday. Um, he was a murderer. He was a gambler. Uh, in in all the girls' eyes, he was like, ah, just dreamy. But the the reality was, is he was a rough and tumble guy, and not the kind of guy you wanted to come across in a dark alley. And she was hip to it the second she decided she didn't want to be a prostitute anymore she wanted to be a doctor's wife it was uh she was a rough and tumble woman and she just took care of business and i i really think everybody's going to enjoy that story if they read it okay and once again plug your book one more time please definitely let everybody know the name of your book title of my the title of my book is Doc Holiday Curled My Toes, written by Elizabeth Emerson. On Amazon. On Amazon, and, yes, sir. And, and what's the email address that they can reach you at again? Emerson History Nut at Yahoo.com. E-M-M-E-R-S-O-N-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y-N-U-T at Yahoo.com. Okay, that's awesome. And once again, I want to thank you for being a guest. And okay, in the future, thank you too. if you come, if you decide to write something else that's in this field, we definitely need to do another interview for it. Okay. 